legends are true. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All Nah, Hell Nah are the first words I ever heard from my next guest. The track was incredible, and when I had the chance to delve deeper into the group's music, I became a fan. They've been contributing to the art for over 20 years, and have dropped their latest album, 40. Uh, Nappy Roots, welcome to the Library of Monaco. Thank you so much for being here. Oh man, thank you for having us. Uh, so before we get into the new album, which is, you know, with you guys is like nothing less, but it's an incredible album. So uh, hats off for that. Um, I was doing, you know, of course, doing the research and of course at Wikipedia and, and it's interesting, you know, years active, they have you guys starting at uh, 1995, but the debut album, uh, Watermelon, Chicken and, and Grits debuted in 2002. So yep. curious, what was happening between 95 and 2002, uh, you know, prior to the debut? <laughs> oh man, uh, that was when we were in college. Um, I guess the 95 kind of starts when me and Clutch hooked up and actually me and Clutch hooked up in 93. And we were freshmen at Western Kentucky University, which is located in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And um, we hooked up almost, um, if it wasn't the first day of school, it was within the first week of school, we hooked up and became um, really good friends. And um, But in 95, when we were, we ended up being roommates, um, we lived off campus and we were walking to class one day and we were just so inspired by the Goody Mob album and what Outkast and the Dungeon family were doing in Atlanta. And after this Goody Mob album, Soul Food, we was like, man, Clutches was walking like, man, we should start a rap group. Because we was already rapping and hanging out and doing dope shit, but we really weren't defined ourselves. We were just kind of just, you know, just dudes that were just rapping and just kind of hanging out, freestyling at the at the kitchen counter when friends were over. But to right. really take it serious, it kind of started in 95. And um, between 95, 96, and 97, the group kind of formed each year. Uh, we found a new member to add to the, the, to the collective that uh, was coming in as a freshman or a sophomore or whatever that we just kind of, you know, just kind of met at different times as we were growing as a, as a, a group. And in 1998, we got signed to Atlanta records and um, Atlanta records showed us the, 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 the entry door or the way into the industry from a major labor perspective. And so 98, 99, we were working on this album that never came out. You know, we put our all of that album. We was driving to Nashville every day after class, which is about 45 minutes south of Bowling Green mm-hmm. um, on 65. So we would get out of class. Um, Scales was playing basketball for the uh, for the uh, Hilltoppers. Uh, sometimes we had to wait for him to get out of practice, and we just drove down, or he met up with us an hour or two later. And um, we would stay down in Nashville on Music Road recording this album for two years. And um, like I said, it never came out. The Atlantic Records didn't know how to market us or how to promote this 
hodgepodge of hip hop at that time from these guys from Bowling Green who were right. kind of all over the place in 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 where they were from. Prophet was from Oakland. Big V was from Bowling Green. Scales was from Millersville, Georgia. And then me, uh, Steel and Clutch were um, from Louisville, Kentucky. And so it was just this whole, you know, and Prophet actually ended up living in Louisville for a while, but his his roots were from Oakland. So he definitely wanted to bring this West Coast idea and vibe, and he always brought something different. But those years were just us getting better at at who we were and just knowing that, you know, this could be something um, serious. And so when we started graduating in 2000, uh, uh, we all kind of graduated at different times. And some of us actually didn't get a chance to graduate because our our the real album that took off in 2002, um, it started taking off in 2001. You know what I'm mm. saying? So um, some of us really didn't get a chance to graduate the way that me and Clutch did. Um, and hell, I didn't even walk. I was just so ready to get out of there that I just, just mailed me my diploma. I was already down <laughs> in Atlanta working with, staying with uh, Scales in his cousin's house working on um set it out and all now at the time in 2000 and so 2002 was when the actual album came out but we grinded for nine months before that so between 95 and 2002 it was just us growing and, and developing as artists and mcs and just really just becoming stronger as as the the seed to the tree that you see now i, I want to talk to you about um so you, and you mentioned goody mob's album and outcast so like so and that's like prior to that's really prior to two, the 2000s you know prior to um southern hip-hop really having kind of like ha- having a seat at the table right uh-huh. um became like this ama- amazing force to be reckoned with um, right but what was that and you, you kind of mentioned it there but what was that conversation you that was having amongst southern hip-hop artists about what they were going to do with the art form or was mm-hmm. it even was it even plausible to to make a career out of it. Um, I mean, you know, you know, you have like, the, uh, I remember years ago, I interviewed Ala Sensei from the artifacts and he even, and uh-huh. I know it's, it's not the South, but he used to even talk about New Jersey, how like when he would go into New York, he would not tell people he was from New Jersey. Cause you know, that was a, uh, you know, whatever. Right. But so what was that conversation, um, in amongst Southern hip hop artists about like, all right, what are we doing here? What, what are we doing with the art? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I think the conversation was inspiring. I think, you know, because before Outkast and Goody Mob, I think the South had a real, you know, presence. You had, you know, I would go back to Scarface and Ghetto Boys and, and what Houston was doing. Um, I would go to what Memphis was doing with 8-Ball MJG and Tila. You know, I would go what Florida was doing with 2 Live Crew and, and Trick Daddy and, and uh, you know, Poison Clan and whatnot. So I would go, there was p- pockets in the South and the South, it's interesting because the South is the whole South. You have multiple states. Where if you have this East Coast, it's so concentrated into a little area. You just got like New York, Philly, and, and Jersey in a sense. You know, um, it, it kind of stretches. Maybe you get a little bit of, of the D.C. area, but D.C. is its own kind of living organism with the DMV. So I think it was always aspirational to represent the South. Kentucky is kind of positioned kind of in a weird way because it's the hub of of the midwest in a, in a sense if you think louisville it's more midwestern but when you think bowling green it more identifies with with the south you know the mason dixon mm. line is kind of you know that line that sits right above tennessee and kentucky but that line is not a defined line like if you had a pencil and a ruler you know it bleeds up and down and you notice there you get things that are people from the south that they they come up and go to school and, and whatnot so for us we wanted to have like a, a, our say and stake in it, but we were coming from Kentucky for the most part, which is kind of at that time unheard of. You know, we were kind of the first group to come out of Kentucky re- representing hip hop, 
But thank God it was a group and not just one individual because it would have been much harder if it was one individual. I think you needed something that was massive and could, you can put a big kind of explosion towards it like a Wu-Tang Clan or how Master P or Cash Money kind of represented when they came out. When they mm. both came out, when all three of those groups came out or, or whatever, they came out as a clique. You know, it was a group. And yes, Master P had a record label, No Limit, and had a bunch of artists coming out. But Cash Money, they had this, you know, there was the hot boys and it was big timers, but it was just cash money, you know. And when that kind of was their defining moment, it was just six or seven artists that were just doing it and it was able to break down. So that's kind of how we looked at it as Nappy Roots and wanted to make that. But Kentucky wasn't looked at as a respectable place for hip hop at that time. You know, it was right. like, you know, you say you're from Kentucky, immediately they look down at your feet to see if you have shoes on, you know. You know, they, they think your country some slack jaw yokels and don't know shit. But, it, you know, you can lose your life there like anywhere else, you know. And, and we wanted to kind of not lean on that because we know how we came up. That's not really what we should be doing overall because, you know, when you speak that type of, of energy, it kind of comes back around. We were all old enough to know knowledge of self and know that that's not the path that is Nappy Roots we wanted to do. We want to come on some dope hip hop, some cool MCing to be, you know, respected, kind of underground. You know, and kind of like, you know, kind of there, but not there, but always there, you know, and just kind of always been able to hold our own and be consistently dope. And so that was our angle. We didn't really wasn't trying to be like anybody else but ourselves, but inspired by all those artists that I mentioned, because those was what we saw that if they can do it, we can do it. Right. I want to talk about the sound. I mean, I I, I think uh, I was reading an interview you guys did with in 2019, so last year with uh, Bandwagon Magazine and Dan English, England, the journalist wrote, and I think this kind of perfectly like sums up how i felt at when i heard your music it says quote nappy roots rapped about home and i'm really i was really thinking about your music and when i first heard 20 years ago i was trying to figure out like how is some this kid who grew up in washington heights new york felt like i could relate to your music somehow or easily understand this group from Louisville, you know kentucky even though i've never been to Louisville, kentucky but i finally felt like i could relate somehow um to me you guys re weird if this makes sense you redefined what authenticity is in art and it should be huh. um well, how did you guys go about taking or did you ever feel, did you feel you were taking this authentic approach to your music and i guess why why did you why did you take this approach oh uh, shit i think we didn't have a choice you know um kentucky is is a, like a place that you've never been before and we knew that was probably our strength and probably, you know, could be a hindrance if we try to be something that we weren't, you know, and I think it would have been evident, you know, and we're old enough to understand keep it real in the golden era of hip hop, you know, and right. keeping it real at one point in time uh, was a serious thing in hip hop. Then it became this whole little, it's almost like saying hello or goodbye, uh, you know, uh, uh, eventually. But in the beginning of it, that meant something to us, you know, and to come out here and talk about a bunch of shit that we never had, um, that people would have saw through that, you know, you know, I, I, we were in college. So, you know, public speaking is, you know, in order to, you know, to teach your audience, you have to speak from a form of credibility and establish credibility. And so the only way to do that is to speak about things that we actually know, you know, um, like again, cash money, they were talking about a bunch of shit that we never had or saw. We didn't have those type of things in, in Bowling Green. It's a small college town. You know, so we just had to rap about what we knew and, and was cool doing that. And what also helped us is because it was a group of us that would have checked each other, knowing that that wasn't real. What you just said wasn't true, you know, and we'll, we'll joke about that while we're smoking a joint after you, we did the song. But, you know, 
after first the first couple songs we did like that, we stopped making songs that weren't realistic to what we were going through because our friends knew that we weren't doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? And so if you want to be real and respected, you got to kind of just, you know, come from what you know and just, you know, be consistent at it. Uh, when I turn to the album, the new album, 40, um, the uh, listening to the track, uh, The Back Roads, had me kind of think about a lot of your music and, and kind of what I also take from it. And, and, and it really has a sense of that you guys are you guys are not just rapping for yourselves and for your family, but also rapping and kind of taking on this voice for people, for the people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I think you've you've you guys done that throughout your career, and that you know that's basically the authenticity that continues to come up in your music. Um, do you think? Uh, do you think hip hop needs to do more of that? Be more of a voice for people, and and and, in, and especially now at these times. I mean, do you think people will hip hop artists will start doing that more? I don't know, man. I think it's a balance. You know, uh, hip hop is a balance. When it, when it goes too far left, you know, the pendulum will swing back right. You know, I think it kind of self-checks each, each, you know, it kind of self-checks itself. Um, but, you know, sometimes you do get too, too much killing and not enough healing. And then sometimes you want to hear some gangster shit and turn up, you know, and you don't want to hear that shit that's in a coffee shop or, or it could be heard in a, in a library when you're studying. You know, I think it's a time and place for everything. There's a time and place for nappy roots. You know, but if we was doing it all over the place, people would get tired of hearing this and didn't want to hear that shit no more. I'm like that. I'm like that with radio. Like, I love a song, but if I hear it a hundred times a day, it's like, okay, is there something else that can we do? Can we do something else? And every day is not the same. So I think with hip hop, it's, it, it is a, a living, breathing organism in a sense. It's growing. It's, it's, it's learning. It's getting better. It's learning how to speak and, and get the points across. Is It is being educated. You know, it has become educated. Look at Jay-Z and what he's done to with the game. He's showing us all that shit. You can make a billion or damn near try to look at what Kanye West is doing with, you know, with what he's doing, you know, and and look at those things and say, well, that's hip hop, too, versus what, you know, with the auto tune. And, you know, I do think it's a lot of, you know, drug influences. And I do think there's a lot of crackheads that are rapping in hip hop. But there's a lot of also articulate guys that want to push the needle for like J. Cole and Chance. And, you know, you have the Kendrick Lamars, you have the Jids. You know, you have, you know, you have the currencies, you know, right. you have the, the East Coast populace and you have the ones that are dominating the West Coast as well that have um, also equal opportunity to say what they're doing. And then you have these this Midwest things that are also bubbling up. You have uh, 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 even from um, from Louisville, Jack Harlow coming out and you also have a Bryson Tiller, you know, you know, so I, I do think hip hop is kind of it's, it's balanced somehow that it just we can't see what's holding it up, but it is kind of this balanced organism based off, you know, 30 years of just, you know, speaking the, the voice of the, 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 the urban, you know, diaspora. Hmm. Um, I want to turn to, uh, there's, I really, like, I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy when, when an artist lets, when artists let, um, a track breathe like they, they feel like they don't have to fill up the space uh with their lyrics they let the instruments do the talking uh and i think you guys did that really well with the uh the horn solo around the 230 mark of till they told us mm. um <laughs> what's what's the significance of that solo and and for you what is kind of your favorite thing about about the horn in music uh till they told us uh awesome sax player by the name of walt live um and he's a great session player he also plays keys and just that, man, just letting the track breathe. It's four of us, you know? And so 
you, it can get redundant. Verse hook, verse hook, verse hook, verse hook. It gets redundant. And again, this is this is a a, a trilogy album, um, in a sense. You have the Forty Acres Project. Where we was trying out just two artists from Nappy Roots, trying to hold it together. Big V left right before that, so uh, we had to feel like we had to change it up and not just be the same Nappy Roots. So we had the Forty Acres Project, and then another Forty Acres, and now this one, which is Forty. But Walt Live played on some things on the Forty, uh, another Forty uh, Acres, which was dope. And so just letting the track breathe and putting some more musical. Um, components like what we did when we first came out we had a lot of musical um things in the album and so we felt on this album that we wanted to try to go back to what people love nappy roots for which is instrumentation live instrumentation live session players you know people that are really talented that um deserve their spot on um you know on the record and so we tried it with verses and then we just felt like, you know, so many solo parts are really, really good. And they're, they're throughout the album. If you really listen to the album, we have a couple pl places out there, these little, these little Easter egg jewels out there that just people that want to hear instrument, real instrumentation on the album. We try to give you that as well on this one. Can you talk, can you talk about the writing process for y'all? I mean, in terms of like, is it, is it the music first and then the idea of the song or is it, I mean, I guess maybe it obviously depends on, on the track, but I mean, how, how do you go about, um, selecting the music for a track that you guys are working on and then how do you go about with the, with the writing process especially since there's four of you the writing process is always different for nappy roots um you know sometimes it's the beat we start with sometimes you know like for example scales might come with an idea for a hook first and so we'll have like this focal point to wrap around um sometimes uh everyone will go into their corners when they hear the beat and just write something without knowing what the other person is, has written. And it's somehow it all comes together. Um, and, and so there's, there's different ways that we've always done it since college that we make music. And I don't think one way works better over the other. I just think whatever comes up with a great song at the end, you know, uh, let's start with that first. Let's not try to swing for the fence, but let's just try to make a good song. And then after we make a good song, we have to live with it for a little while. That might take, 90 days of us living with it and you know just letting it sit and settle and if there's anything that stands out that we don't like or is there anything that we want to change is so can you say this line better or do we need to add more session players you know do we need to take this person off or we use it probably takes about 90 days for that to happen per song and that's why it takes us so long to make an album is because we go through that process on every song and we've been doing that since the watermelon chicken and grits album it's just we we don't want to put anything rushed or microwaved out it might sound good today. We did it last night, but a, a, a month from now, <laughs> we might be like, man, what the hell was we thinking? We can't put that out. You know, we're this or we're that or, you know, it sounded good at the time because we were smoking and drinking and, and patroned up or tequila it up. But now that we've been sober, I can't let my daughter hear me say that. You know, she would, you know, that would she would break her heart how I just, you know, disrespected a whole fleet of women. <laughs> For the sake of trying to be right now, because that's how I felt that day. And, you know, and that's the thing, you know, sometimes you got to let, you know, how you feel that day kind of marinate because that might not how you might not how you want to be represented a month from now. And so, you know, I, I think doing that and just having those different combinations allows us to make the music that we make the way it is. Uh, Beatwise and, and, and Hook, uh, the record uh, Do Better is a kind of a very upbeat track and it's a track about redemption. Um, 
but it, for me, I'm looking at album placement. It's it's the seventh track on the album. Um, can you can you talk about how you guys choose track order, but also why 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 put this track as the seventh track? <laughs> oh shit! Um, Do better is definitely a good song, and I feel like we all sat around uh, with Blake included. We was at you know we was we'll sit at Atlantucky over some beers every day. We would just he would come over about three or four times a, a, a week. Me and Scales would be there working on a beer. And while we were working on this album, we was also working on our brewery and uh, making beer. So we would always have beer. And so when we got towards the end of the album, you know, it was we wanted to add some some lighter tones to the album and kind of place them to where they're perfectly placed between the album, where you kind of don't hear the same type of song too much in the same concentrated area to make it say, oh, it's too much this or too much that. So even with the balance of what we were saying earlier with like with hip hop, it kind of just puts it in the middle, middle kind of as this, this, this high peak, you know, like the rising action and the climax um, uh, of a story. And so each song is kind of put there to give you uh, an emotion where it's almost needed. And I think we sat over some beers out there and we kind of went around about three different orders and, um, you know, and we felt like do better just sounds really good right there in the middle. Um, after some cool, hard, a hard shit that we were doing earlier in the album. And so the album kind of, you know, we want to get it out in the first who we are and kind of what it is. We kind of want to do what people are expecting from Nappy Roots. You know, we always do this. People say, you know, you guys are so positive. It's like, well, it's not really positive. More as motivational. Right, yeah. there's some dark... <laughs> we, 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 we hang out and do real nigga shit. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't like we're not better than anybody, but we hang out, we get drunk, we get fucked up, we smoke weed. You know, um, but we also have to try to do better at life and be a better person and be a better steward of the, the not just the culture, but society and in and, and, and the earth. You know, we're all in a situation right now where we're going through some shit together and it all it should take all of us to try to be better people and to do better, man. Like everyone should try to wake up, trying to do better than they did yesterday. And I think before that law, that thought gets lost in the album at the end and someone cuts it off, I think we felt like we want to get this in here before people who have a short attention span lose focus on what we're really trying to do here. And so do better at is great because the album is well balanced. We had two uh, mix engineers mix it. We had a few producers, but everything from the artists that are on the album, they're just placed exactly where we felt. And again, we sat with this for, uh, you know, the album in, in its, in its entirety for about a month and a half before we started really putting the order to, to it for real, for real. And so I think, do better is a great climactic point of the album that says this is who nappy roots are and this is kind of what we're saying to the world if you listen to this album this is kind of what this album is, is kind of not about but we're we all should be about and, and you're obviously you're totally right with the there it's not just this like happy-go-lucky upbeat album i mean you know and i, I want to kind of talk about the, the last two tracks of the album because you know to me the uh, the, the album 40 is about, you know, it has themes of redemption, reflecting on life choices, needing help, being thankful for the ha- help and, and, and hopefulness. Uh, and, and I think the last two tracks, uh, lately in good life kind of exemplify that really well. Right. Um, especially lately with that kind of simple acoustic guitar, you know, uh, beat and then, uh, and in good life as well. Can you, can you talk about how you guys use the instrumentals and in both these tracks to kind of help exemplify the, uh, the themes of this album but also talk about these last two tracks and what they mean for you guys man um this is skinny i guess it's this uh personal to me um lately 
um, because that track, the good, it was just a guitar track at first um, when we were writing to that track. And I just felt like I, I just woke up one morning and just wrote one of my, you know, most honest lyrics to date, you know. Uh, maybe it was a dark era of my my comings and goings. I wasn't really happy with my own shit, you know. And I did, I never really expressed how I feel um, on 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 a on an album like that. So I felt like that is something that I, I it's the first for me, just to be honest, all the way honest. And I think Steel and Clutch also heard that um, and followed suit because the beats was, was just a very sincere, honest acoustic just you know and shout out to andrew weaver for doing that and um he just made this awesome you know uh guitar kind of just it was just that at first and then we added again walt live play some keys and then we got ricky fontaine which is an awesome um uh, guitar player as well um to jump on it and then you know and then you know blake added some 808s to it uh just to give it a little bit of thump on clutch's part it's, that's what really just drives it for me is when clutch comes on it just it goes up one extra notch, you know, because it, it could be guitar all the way through, and that's fine. But when he hits that extra little kick in there, man, you just hear what he's talking about, and they're all different. Uh, I won't say cries for help, but it's just different points of honesty. You know what I'm saying? And we're just being honest with ourselves, and hopefully, someone can feel that record, and it helps them and their comings and going. Some people don't ask for help, you know. Some people they just try to tough it out themselves, man. But you can't make it in this world alone. And to ask for help, you can't be scared of that. You know, you have to, if you're in that situation, don't be scared to ask your closest friends for help. And if they're your closest friends, they'll help you. And don't be afraid to help someone if you see someone who needs it, you know. And at the age that we are now, and I would probably say, yes, we're all in our 40s because we've been doing this for 20 years. So you can do the math. Um, That's just some grown man shit. You know what I'm saying? You got to grow up, man. You got to soldier up and level up. And that is kind of what lately does for me, man. And it, it, it gives me goosebumps every time i hear it and gareth asher who's a good friend of ours he's um participating on all three 40 acres albums so we had to bring him back in to give us um that same feel that we've been trying to really didn't nail and dial in even from the first album and i think we really pulled it off and when you go back and listen to like window which is um on the first 40 acres project and that's uh with gareth uh he's on that song with his uh his girlfriend um, uh, they're singing the, the hook on window, which is kind of almost kind of that same feeling type of song. And then on I tried on the, another 40 acres, um, he's singing on that one. And I think that we captured that same type of emotion and lately kind of just gives a more s- slimmed down version of that. And then good life. I mean, we just want to end it on a great note and, and just kind of let you know it, it's, it's still a celebration, bitches. You know, we can still party. We can have a good time. We can worry about what we need to worry about. But when we're done working hard, we should be able to relax, kick back and celebrate, you know. And so we don't want to end it on lately on a somber note. If some people think that's somber, it's not really. It's just an honest interpretation of how we're looking at life. COVID definitely slowed a bunch of shit down. You know, we damn near all lost our touring jobs because of COVID. We were, we, you know, we were doing 100 shows a year independently. And then all of a sudden, you know, we've only had one show in six months. And not to say that life doesn't get hard already, but shit, when they cut your main source of income, you start you start questioning what the hell is going on and what you need to do, and that might take a couple trips around two eighty five by yourself with a you know, or or talking to your closest friend about it, man. And me and Scales have had very long conversations, just me and him back there, even when this shit first started, man. Like, what the fuck, yo? What are we gonna do, man? And it's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> we got to figure out something else. 
And, you know, that's kind of where we really decided to really kick in gear with our brewery aspirations and really decide to put the brewery on the front burner and not necessarily put the rap on the back burner. We had most of the album already done, but we can walk and chew gum but with the extra time that we had not being on the road. And so Good Life is this celebratory song that, you know, it's not how you live your life, uh, more so than how you view your life. You know, some people live life shitty, but they look at it from a different point of view. You know, it's, you know, optimism. You know, some people don't have a great life if you look at it and tell them that, you know, but a garbage man might go home to a great wife and healthy kids and, you know, they love him and hug him. The officer might come home to a shitty wife and his kid don't don't respect him. And, you know, he's living in a world of hell. You know, a dope dealer might have all the money, but he sleeps on a fucking, you know, cot in a trap house, you know, and this man who works hard every day and goes to church. He might have the best life and doesn't make any money. You know, it's all about perspective. And I think the song Good Life kind of encompasses that with the emotion. We have Rizzy Meyer, who's on the um, the, the vocals out of Nashville and Five Star, who we worked with on a, a couple of previous 40 Acres. I mean, uh, Nappy Roots albums um, like they produced Ride for us on the Pursuit of Nappiness and some other bangers for us. Um, they came in and gave us a very also acoustic driven feel good. You know what? And that's the kind of thing that, you know, we know people who are fans of Nappy Roots, like to hear Nappy Roots do shit like that. You know, we don't want to get stuck doing a bunch of songs like that either as much as people want us to. And so we have to find a balance of what we want to do for ourselves and what we know the people will like. But we also want to have something that we can stand behind. And I think putting that as the last song on the album, just it just puts the cherry on the top. You know, this is a well-thought-out project. We're not trying to half-ass the listeners. We want y'all to, you know, listen to it as much as we put the time into it and take this as uh, addition to your coming and goings in any day of your life. You know, you can put any song on any part of your life and it should you should be able to enjoy and relate to, you know, one or two songs. Had to take it like a grown man one day at a time until it soaked in the float. Had to let go of old friends. One door closed, another open. I strolled in. But that was way back when. Fast forward 10, a little faith mixed in. Add a lot of focus, some carpe diem. I'm hoping for a better living. Let it begin. I'm saying. And and I I don't mean to pay away from the pull away from the music, but you did mention the brewery and 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 it and it's sometimes it's okay. It's weirdly going to be relating to uh, the pandemic because I think uh, it's safe to say a lot of us have started, you know, having to drink a few, you know, drinking more than we have. Um, And and I I want you kind of I want I want to talk I want you to kind of ask you about like the brewery, how it started, why it started, but also, and I'm. I've gotten into really. I got into IPAs okay. <laughs> this summer, nice. uh, and and, uh, and and I and, and I got really into uh, the 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 truth from Flying Dog. Okay. Um, uh, so I would like to know what makes a good IPA, and what would be uh, the IPA that uh, you guys have that you would uh, suggest that I drink. IPAs, I guess they originally started out as being really hoppy. That was the main character. But now you got the hazies, which I like a lot, like juicy hazy IPAs. Um, I wasn't a crazy fan of the Flying Dog one, but um, there's a lot in the East Coast. If you're on the East Coast, they make really good hazy IPAs. And uh, but a good IPA to me in 2020, because it kind of changes, I would say it's just a really juicy IPA as opposed to a danky and piney. IPA like the West Coast IPA. Okay, New New England style IPAs to me 
if I recommend it to somebody a great IPA, I would start there with the New England style IPA and just ease them into the West Coast IPAs, which you may know is a lot dankier, a lot stronger than um, the New England style. But uh, I can't think of a brand right offhand that I would recommend. Can you skin it? I like Hudson Valley makes really good beers. Up. Are you in New York? Yes, I'm in New York. Yeah, if you can find Hudson Valley or Hetty Topper, mm. there you go. <laughs> Hetty Topper be the most um, um, it's it's known as one of the best IPAs ever made. Yeah, Hedy if Topper. you can get your hands on the Hetty Topper, they come out. They're get- out of Vermont, right? <laughs> yeah, that's out of Vermont. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good IPAs. That's so not too far from you if you can get up there. You probably go to Albany and probably probably find some if you was really trying to. Um, and I'm sure you can get them down there, but I feel like they're illegal to get out of the state for some reason. Oh really? Oh wow! I, didn't. I don't think you go to jail over it, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, no, I'm like guys, no, Nappy Roots told me I could have it. Trust me. <laughs> no, leave us yeah. out of that shit. <laughs> don't start name dropping now, <laughs> The beauty of this brewery that makes heady toppers is called Alchemy. They actually choose to only distribute 25 miles from their location. Wow. Okay. They've created a demand across the country that, you know, if you're ever near Vermont, you have to stop and find this place. And for you two, what is, I mean, what is your kind of, I guess, uh, a beer of choice? Uh... Oh, man. I like to start off, with, this is skinny. I like to start off with a sour in my flight. Flight, you know, you get four, a couple half pours of beer. I'll do a sour. I would, I would like to try uh, a good stout. Um, if they had a, uh, the, a highly recommended IPA at the bar, I'll see what they got on that one. And then, um, a Hefeweizen or a Kolsch is probably what I would swing to. But my favorites are peppered beers. I just love a nice peppered beer or a smoked beer. You give me a smoked uh-huh. beer. Um, if I see that on the, on the menu, I'm, I'm going to go for those type of beers. I like things with just flavor. I like stuff that's true to style, but if you have stuff that you put some flavor in, some fruits or something like that, I'll probably try to go with those first if I see them. Yeah, for me, scales. Uh, fall season, man, I really get into stouts. You know, a heavier beer, chocolate stouts, Irish stouts. Um, I dive into those during fall. Nice. Obviously, because uh, you guys are you guys are incredible artists, and I like to ask artists about uh, to take lyrics that they might have written, you know, they've written or kind of are thinking about, and uh, and ask them a question on it. If there, are there is there a lyric that both of you, you know, individually have written or said maybe in your mind that kind of weirdly, like either defines where you are today as artists or impresses you still from today. From what we've done, yeah, let's be like you know, kind of like that. Oh shit, I can't believe I wrote that lyric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's two, probably two that I, I every time I write a verse like that, I, I kind of go outside of myself. Like, damn, I wrote that. Like, that was me, and I did that. So um, my do better verse would probably be one, and probably uh, 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 jiving and shucking. That verse, yeah. I feel like that one. That one really because still in 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 um, clutch. I mean, still in uh, scales. Kind of they started off crazy, and I was like, shit. I wrote like three verses that day for that song, and I couldn't catch the fucking beat for the life of me. And at the very end, I was like, all right, skin, it's all or nothing, man. I was out there in the hallway. And I just thought, just I I wrote, I just wrote whatever, just I just wrote whatever that came to my damn out of my mouth. 
I wrote it down. And so when I wrote the verse, there's literally no changes on that piece of paper. And I just went in there and I just wrapped it like once. And that was it. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, thank you. I'm on the song. I'm on the song. And then I, I listened to it later. I'm like, man, that shit is pretty hard. <laughs> that was a hard little verse for me. So I got outside of myself and my comfort zone to do that verse because that's just not normally a style that I would have normally. It's, it, it's slower for me. Um, my style just really, I was, just, I was trying to do something else with it. So I had to really relax and get outside of myself. And so those those two verses I'm actually really proud of on this album. That's up. Yeah, I would say do better too because I don't even remember writing the verse. Like I I just, it just kind of, it's one of those verses like Skinny say, it comes straight to you. You go in the booth and spit it exactly like you wrote it. You know, you just, you're satisfied with it. And uh, it's not the craziest verse to me, but it's some impactful statements in the verse. And I don't remember sitting there trying to think deeply on the verse. It was just whatever hit, hit my brain and hit the pad at the time. Also, we have a song called On My Way to Georgia that I've always liked. Um, I felt like it just kind of came to us. It came, we recorded it off the hills of our wood and leather album. And we were so anxious to get back in the studio. And that was kind of a turning point for me as an artist. When we after wood and leather, when we did on my way to Georgia, it was just a new sound that I myself was trying to create, and um, I thought it came out good. Yeah, so Messiah actually produced on my way to Georgia, which is on the Humdinger. But so Messiah has two placements on this uh, album: "Till They Told Us" and "I Suppose" are so Messiah's uh, productions. So that's that's kind of dope. How so Messiah's even back then, wood and leather came out two thousand three. And so we've been friends with Soul Messiah, and he's still producing. He he actually produces for um Rock right now. Right, yeah, um, yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, she's amazing. And shit, I can tell you a story about Sal Rock, a few stories, and it's like, what? We've been knowing them that long to where, <laughs> yeah, she she actually, her first show uh, tour was with us uh, many, 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 many years ago. And she's ta- taken the hell off out of nowhere. She's amazing. And she's just this humble little, you know, she used to come to the studio. We was working on shit with Soul Messiah, some of the shit that never left, the, you know, the, the cutting board. But she would just sit in the corner quiet. And, you, you know, I'm like, OK, so this must be your girl. And she likes my girl, Cy Rock. And I was like, OK, hey. And then, you know, then she just when I heard her to get on the mic, I'm like, what? That's the same person yeah. <laughs> sitting here just quiet and chill. Like, she's ferocious. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, oh, man, I, I love Soul Messiah and Cy Rock. So, you know, I always... I always will be thankful for Soul Messiah, and he always given us that heat. And now that he's found his 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 outlet, I think you know Soul Messiah's, you know he's always blessed us. So that's crazy. Scales mentioned on my way to Georgia. That's great. That's cool because I yeah I got to see uh, Sarak uh, perform in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, she uh, opened for Rhapsody. Yeah, and uh, I had the opportunity also to interview her prior to that. But she's like, you're right. She's like this very kind of you know quiet. You know, can, you know, individual, and then she gets on stage. You're like, okay, this is not the same person. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's, <laughs> she's blessed by the goddess herself, goddess gang, man. Whoever's in her gang, they got her, they got her back on that shit. Like they get, they get a, ju- they get a juice on stage, man. I love her. It's true. All right, so the new album is forty. Uh, the the group is the Nappy Roots. Uh, you know, it's it, it's 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 truly an honor to have both of you. You know, you you, you guys on today uh, for the library to my Nicola. I've been a big fan for twenty something years, so I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, sir, man. Thank you for the time. I look forward to hearing this on the playback, man. That means a lot. Wrote it all down like dude in the memento. Turn it all around if it was just that simple. 
Damn, gotta turn it back around. Cause Midtown is full of punks and power. Fiends who jump cowards. A lawyer that hides in Trump Towers. Listening to him and have me sleeping on the flowers. I'ma pack up my bags for Georgia. And gather all the strong and the willing supporters. And tell my niggas rally up right at the borders. To beat our swords to plow shares. Peace round the globe and everything else out there. Second floor, they kicked us out like Michael. That's a hype though. We coming back for blow a cycle. Six country niggas blasting at your shit with rifles. But any means necessary, skin it like your life. But the game is cut though. We forced to grind and learn to hustle. We coming from the slump hole. Why should we give a fuck for? We comes to nightmares, the underground and in the ciphers. 25 to lifers, the highway of the rights. Now I'm traveling across these county lines. On suspended license, getting jammed up with the sheriff and the pound can be the trifers. Crooked county law, damn man, that you never ever ever seen. And everything is riding on that nigga drive. Dipping through the Simpson County. Pimping in a rental, thinking continental, thinking country living shouldn't seem so simple, but my occupation seems to make my mama proud. I'm just a blue traveler with my thumb out and I'm headed south. Where nobody can find me Still grimy Won't be no one around to remind me I ain't shit Blind me with things I can't get Then I'ma raise my seeds to be Christians Musicians, politicians, physicians Visions of better living conditions A jurisdiction with no restrictions What's wrong with this picture? Your people don't get along with you Plus ain't no banks throwing loans to this nigga And with this pitch folk eat the bones that they pitch us While the rich folk keep on getting richer Finna take it back round to Kentucky I Can't expect much from it But at least I got some people that love me Cause building my community was cheap for the government I'm just trying to be equal with the people above me Let's go The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.